0: Welcome, everybody, to Nutty Buddy Sports. And on today's episode, I am joined by a new friend, Gavin, who is a big Chicago fan. So we talk about the NFL, the Chicago Bears, the NFC North, the Chicago Bulls, and give our early favorites to the NBA Finals. That's coming up right here, right now, on Nutty Buddy Sports. back everybody to Nutty Buddy Sports. I am your host Ryan and today what we are going to do, we are going to talk about the NFL. Specifically, probably we'll focus a little bit more on Chicago, the Chicago Bears. We're going to talk about maybe the NFC North a little bit. Uh, We will also talk about NBA as well. We're going to talk about the Chicago Bulls and the NBA with uh, our friend today, Gavin. Gavin, uh, how you doing? I'm not
1: doing too bad it's always nice to talk about some sports you know I'm a a Bears guy it's kind of a tough situation for the Bears right now but you know hey that's that's part of sports
0: that's right hey you don't have to tell me you know my teams I root for it's been it's been tough as well um so can you explain to the listeners it's the first time you've been on the podcast so explain to the listeners um why you root for the teams you root for so the Chicago teams in specific
1: so yeah I'm a Chicago guy uh, except for the White Sox I'm not a White Sox fan when it comes to baseball so big Cubs fan uh, some of my teams I would say particularly the Bears and the Cubs is more like an inherited fandom so like my dad and some of my uncles some of our friends uh, root for those teams have always kind of grown up rooting for those teams so I've just kind of we've watched them and I've kind of fell in love with that as well. Uh, but I would say particularly the for hockey, the Blackhawks and for the Bulls, that was never something that my household or a lot of people that I knew, you know, really rooted for or watched a lot. Um, my dad and his two brothers specifically, when they were growing up in the Jordan era of the 90s. Yes, they did not like Michael Jordan. Oh, they kind of wanted to be the di- people different. So many people like Michael Jordan, you know, he was mm. the you know, the big guy, everybody wanted to like the Bulls, everyone to be a Bulls fan. So him and his brothers and some of their friends, they rooted for the Knicks and the Magic and the Suns and the Maverick. you know, all these other teams that they kind of like. They like certain players. Well, when I kind of started getting into sports here where I live in Peoria, we get the Bulls games on TV. So I started watching all the Bulls games, uh, became a big Derrick Rose fan, and then ever since have just kind of taken off from there. So kind of a different you know, a little bit different for each one, but a big Chicago guy kind of just keep it simple that way.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. Uh, uh, Derek Rose, one of the biggest what ifs, right? Like in, in NBA, uh, especially modern NBA. Uh, so with that in mind, who are your favorite players, uh, sports players of all time and maybe like, uh, maybe in each sport if you want to, or maybe just football and basketball, whatever you want. Yeah.
1: So like, you know, I mean, if you want to start like, you know baseball i like baseball a lot personally you know i, I it's something that's just kind of a you know easy going you can listen to it watch it you know just kind of a fun thing to do for me uh for the cubs you know there's a lot of players that i've liked watch over the years i've been to several games even kind of as a you know little kid and stuff uh it's kind of hard to pick out one more recently not part of the cubs anymore but I'm a big anthony rizzo fan you know he's a real likable guy so any you know maybe Brewers fans or Cardinals fans out there maybe don't share the same interest in Rizzo, but uh, I'm a big Rizzo guy, but uh, football and basketball, I I mentioned I like Derrick Rose a lot, uh, but I would say present. I'm a big Zach Levine fan. I'm a big DeMar DeRozan fan, which sounds pretty typical, uh, but I would say probably the one that maybe more people don't like as much is Io Dosumu uh, because I like watching University of Illinois play basketball. So to see him kind of go from, the eye to the Bulls was kind of a cool transition. Uh, it's fun to root for him, too.
0: Uh, yeah, so I was actually looking up things on the Bulls, and I had to, like, look into him because I've never, you know, I watch basketball, right. but I didn't hear of him. So how about football? What's your who, Do you have a favorite football player?
1: So football, I'm a – Present, I, I'm a big Roquan Smith guy. Uh oh, you know, sorry, he's yep. another guy that just seems you know real likable, but he's he's a tough player, very consistent. I think honestly, he doesn't get a lot of the respect that he deserves. Uh, but maybe more past. I didn't get to maybe see him quite as much, you know, now that I'm older. But when I was younger, definitely like Brian Erlacher, mm. Matt Forte, uh, some of those guys. There's a lot of you know, I, I was always a big Brandon Marshall fan. Uh, there's a lot of guys, you know, you could probably go down, and of course. I probably appreciate sports more and know more than I did 10 years ago now that I'm older, but, uh, there's a lot of guys just kind of from that era. I can't necessarily relate to the nineties and eighties and stuff, because I didn't grow up watching those guys, but, uh, definitely guys from the last, you know, 10, 15 years, uh, quite a few from the bears that I'm particularly fond of.
0: Yeah. I, uh, me and you will have Brandon and Marshall in common because he yeah. was a dolphin for a while. Dolphins are my favorite team. Gotcha. And, uh, I loved him on the dolphins and I was really disappointed that they traded him, but that's, that's neither here nor there. So let's, uh, let's get into some uh, maybe we'll start with the NFL and we'll talk a little bit about that because it obviously was an interesting season for uh, you know, who, who made the Super Bowl. Um It was an, a sad season probably for your team and my team, yeah. but what, what, what were some takeaways uh, that you, you know, you took from this, this football season, maybe some surprises or things that you you thought were interesting.
1: So, yeah, I mean, for the bears to to start out with, uh, you know, I kind of had higher hopes maybe, you know, with Justin Fields, there's a lot of excitement around it. I was personally pretty excited. I still am. I think he's, you know, the right guy for their future, especially now with new coach, new GM, all that good stuff. But the past regime of coaches and GMs and whatever, it was pretty clear from the jump that it wasn't going to work out. You know, I've never been a, I was never a Matt Nagy fan, even in that one good season they had. I never really cared for him too much. I always thought the defense was the thing that kind of carried that one good year. So I was never a big fan of his. I was never a big fan of Ryan Pace, the former GM. I think they needed to go the last off season, but they were here again. I kind of was like, okay, maybe, you know, it's a last stand type thing. They'll, they'll improve a little bit. They didn't. And I think the bears really got held back just because of that. Uh, they had some injuries and things, but I was pleasantly surprised with a few players that kind of, you know, showed out a little bit, some late round draft picks. Uh, Darnell Mooney continues to be a guy that's impressive. So I think he's a big uh, asset to their wide receiver corpse. They had a couple of guys on the offensive line. They had a couple of guys on the defense that got a bigger role as rookies or second year guys that I think are starting to get better. So There's some promise with the Bears, but I think a lot's going to tell of how this new coach and how this new GM can kind of put this team together uh, and be better going forward.
0: Yeah, yeah, I like that. Um, So with just to go back to last season, so there was obviously this debate between uh, whether they should start fields or not. How did you feel about that? Because they started out with Dalton and I think they eventually went back to Dalton, right? And so, yeah, how, how did you feel about that as a Bears fan?
1: So I had mixed feelings on that because I was really excited and I wanted to see Justin Fields. You know, I wasn't like super into the preseason because I was like, I'm not going to waste my time. You know, the preseason's the preseason. Right. I think everybody knows how that goes, but Justin Fields looked really good. So I was like, man, I wish they would just get him some looks and they did get him some certain packages and whatever they got him in there to make some certain plays. I remember in week one, he had that rushing touchdown, you know, design run play for the QB. But overall, kind of contrary to a lot of Bears fans, I was okay with Dalton starting out at the beginning. You know, he's a seasoned veteran. I think he was going to be able to lead the team a little bit better. But as the offense sort of continued to rapidly decline under Nagy, I'm like, well, we might as well put Fields in here, right? I mean, we might as well see what he can do if he can bring something different to the table. And even under the very poor offensive decision-making under Matt Nagy, I think Justin Fields really was able to showcase some of his abilities and under the right unit. I think he showed he can be the guy, but overall, I think I was a fan of Andy Dalton starting out with just because of his veteran mentality.
0: Yeah. I I was actually with you on that too. Like, not that I'm a Bears fan, but I do feel like sometimes quarterbacks, you know, you think of Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson and the spots they're in right now and how they, their teams are so uh, messy There's so much, you know, they, they need so much that uh, you can really hurt their, their uh, growth and you can develop bad habits when you're surrounded by um, lackluster talent, right? Like getting rid of the ball or getting right. It ish in the pocket. And I thought for Justin Fields as well, it's maybe because the offensive line for the bears, wasn't that great this year. Terrible.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: Right. So it was like, start Andy Dalton. He kind of knows, he know. well, he doesn't kind of, he knows how to play football. Yeah. He's shown he can play at a high level um, and and protect your, your quarterback. So I totally understood what they did, but I'm with you as the season went on. It, it's like, well, at this point, maybe, maybe give him some reps and see how he yeah. does. Yeah. Do, do you think that Allen Robinson comes back or do you want him back as a Bears fan?
1: I don't think he comes back, just being realistic here. Uh, I don't think that that's necessarily anything against the new GM or anything, but I think that they're going to try to move in a different direction. I would like him back, though. And I don't think he got his fair shake. I think I've heard some people say that maybe he was purposely sabotaged. You know, they kind of discluded him from the game plan a little bit because they kind of wanted him gone. Uh, but I think he's high talent. You know, I think if you put him in the right system, he can be good. I wouldn't mind him coming back. I just don't see it because he's going to want a lot of money. And I think the bears have a lot of other issues to address offensive line being one of them. And I think that should be priority. Number one is protecting Justin Fields.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, how do you feel about the new hiring? Uh, Matt Eberflus says the coach.
1: So, yeah, Iberflus, I know a lot of people have kind of been down on it. And, and a lot of people, like a lot of my friends and family that, you know, have kind of weighed in on it, they don't really like it so much. I'm kind of one of the – in the minority, I guess. I kind of like it. He's a football guy. I think he's incredibly smart. You know, the Bears have always kind of had a knack for defense. And I think he can offer something in that direction, of uh, just kind of that defensive mentality. Uh, he's a smart guy. He's a football guy, as I mentioned. Uh, I think with that whole new regime, when they they have the Packers, former passing coordinators, the offensive coordinator. Now I think they're putting a top tier staff together and they're really going, you know, individual staff, how can they make a difference? And I think he's doing a really good job putting that together. So I think Eberflus is definitely going to be under the radar as a coaching hire. uh, But I definitely think he has a lot to offer and is going to make the bears better.
0: Yeah. Okay. I like that. Yeah. I, so for me, I, I'm torn on it because like, I like the hire. I think he deserved a chance because of the Colts defense. Right. So, you know, they were pretty solid the last couple of years, really good. I should say, I shouldn't say pretty solid. They were really good the last couple of years. Um, but at the same time, I'm also feel like with a young quarterback, it is important to it. it ser- I feel like it would serve him better with an offensive minded coach. And the only reason why I, w- I would say that is because if, Justin Fields, let's say, has a really good year next year and maybe even a good year after that, what's going to happen is your your offensive coordinator is going to get poached away. Yes. Right. So that's that's my only concern. I think that this is stability for young quarterbacks are so important. And that's why if you have a young quarterback, I typically lean towards getting an offensive minded coach in there to. to and
1: I, I understand that. And yeah. I think that's what a lot of people are concerned about is not having that offensive minded coach. Uh, but I think that the options, you know, I think Brian Dable would have been mm. a solid hire. I, I didn't mind that too much, but there were a few red flags. I think with a team coming off the last four seasons of having a coach with a lot of red flags, and Matt Nagy, his inconsistencies, you know, his not ability not to take, you know, credit for doing certain things and sure. kind of pushing the blame off. I think they wanted stability more than anything, and kind of let some of those things work themselves out. And I think. To your point, if, you know, the new offensive coordinator, the new offensive staff can develop Justin Fields, I think they're confident that by the time he gets a little more experience, no matter who is in the offensive coordinator chair, Justin Fields can do his thing and, you know, manage an offense. It's just about developing him the next couple of years while having that stable frame under Eberflus. That's just kind of my outlook. But again, a lot of people have those reservations thinking they needed somebody with an offensive mind to be there. But it's really caught kind of up in the air.
0: Yeah. No. And, and you know what? It's, it's like you said, too, that Bears are a defensive, historically a defensive team. So I think it's going to be a good hire. Uh, but like I said, I, I would lean towards offensive coach. But I, again, the thing is, is he's proven. He's proven that he can coach up defense. So, you know, you're going to have a good defense at the very least. Right. So, yes. Um. What would you like to see them do this offseason? The Bears.
1: So offensive line, I think has got to be priority number one. Yep. And Ryan Poles, the new GM, he's a former offensive lineman. He was actually undrafted by the Bears. Uh, was signed oh, to practice squad. So there's kind of some ties there, kind of cool. Yeah, uh, he's cool. got a lot of ties to the NFL community. And I think that he, re- he even said something interesting that, you know, anybody can go look up. But he said that he was really disappointed with how the Bears offensive lineman Would act after, say, Justin Fields was sacked or tackled for a loss. They wouldn't. A lot of them wouldn't go over to help him up. They wouldn't, you know, bring you know, bring him up, kind of pat him on the head and say, you know, hey, we'll do better. You know, we're gonna, you know, my bad type of thing. They kind of just let it happen and they just kind of moved on. Mm -hmm. And he thinks it's very important to have that solid bond between the offensive line and the quarterback. So I think he's gonna find guys high character, you know, team first guys. Uh, and kind of get, maybe get rid of some of these guys that were detrimental just to the locker room. Uh, But at the same time, I think they need to get more talent, you know, more proven guys. And I think that's the big theme of the Bears. Get guys that are proven, not a lot of what if guys, not a lot of, well, he was good two years ago, or he's coming off an injury. They need a lot of proven guys to make themselves a proven team. So offensive line would be big, uh, but you just got to kind of round out the team. Uh, I would say one of the other big positions to kind of Note on is cornerbacks, which is kind of specific, but they're extremely thin at the cornerback. They'd only really have one starter, in my opinion. So I think they need to explore some options there. Uh, definitely, just kind of round out this team a little bit more.
0: Yeah, no, I, that that's a good assessment. I agree. Offensive line is obviously the big one that they need, but I'll also say, like, especially with the development of the, a young quarterback, I really feel like just surround him, give him every chance to succeed. Yes. Right. Like no excuse to fail. So even if you're going to lose Allen Robinson, maybe look to fill in those gaps at the skill position. You like Mooney. Um, but uh, outside of that, I really don't look at any of the other guys that like, oh, yeah, these guys are elite. Playmakers. I
1: would say I would say Montgomery and, and mm. chime in on that. I think a lot of people. Honestly, you know, I don't know if you play fantasy football, Ryan. I
0: do, I do. Okay,
1: so I'm a big fantasy football guy, and I've had Montgomery on my team the last couple of years. I've made it kind of a point because he's very consistent. He is one of those guys that I think is, you know, continually becoming more proven. You know, Mm -hmm. he may not put up the same Derrick Henry numbers or whatever uh, running back you want to look at, but I think he's a really solid ground and pound guy. Bad offensive line in front of him, and yet he's still put up decent numbers, he's finding the end zone, finds ways to get yards, fight for extra yards. I'm a big David Montgomery fan. I think you're right, though. You need to just give Justin Fields some options at receiver. Mm-hmm. Darnell Mooney's good, but you need, I would say, at least two other receivers that he can feel comfortable passing to, not just one guy, and maybe the tight end, getting him some better depth there behind Cole Komet. I think they need, again, it's just about rounding it out finding guys that can be proven for 17 weeks in a season
0: yeah and i guess i should have been a little bit more specific i should have said pass catchers but that yeah because i like montgomery too actually i think that you know when you can run be a solid running back behind a bad offensive line you know imagine if you actually had a good one right Yeah. yeah so i actually agree with that but yeah i do think pass catchers is is sort of like get get them a couple guys because we see in the NFL nowadays, it, you got to have more than one guy. You have yeah, to have. Yeah, I mean, more look, than- look at
1: the Rams. I mean, you know, I mean, of course, Odell Beckham went down with that injury in the Super Bowl, but they went out and they added Odell Beckham to a group of Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, you know, Van Jefferson. A lot of these guys. That's a stacked room, and it gave Matthew Stafford a lot of options.
0: So, yep.
1: to your point, they need options.
0: Yeah, and and did you did you notice like? when Odell went down in the Super Bowl that offense had a hard time moving the ball
1: it did yeah yeah
0: i i i i you know i just like thinking about the Super Bowl i was i was like if if Odell went to went down i think the rams could have got to 30 because they were moving the ball they scored two out of their first four drives they scored touchdowns yeah. one of the four drives odell got injured so then the drive stalled but um i felt like odell was open cooper cup was getting open but once odell went down you were able to like it, cup yeah and then and, the, and so i think it shows that you need to have one more than one pass catcher in this league nowadays otherwise mm-hmm. your defenses can hone in on on one guy
1: for sure I, i'd absolutely agree with that and you know again it really opens up a defense is when you have guys that you need to specifically focus on and you can kind of exploit you know, defenses that don't have a lot of good cornerbacks. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that's why it's very important Uh, on the Bears' side of the ball is to be able to hone in. And, you know, I know we'll probably talk about in a few minutes, but with the Packers, you know, they had a lot of offensive pass-catching weapons. It was hard for the Bears to stop that because the Bears didn't have enough effective defensive backs to be able to stop that. So it really opens up a team when you can have a lot of those pass-catchers. And I think the Bears would definitely be smart to invest some money or draft picks into some guys like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So why don't we, why don't we talk about that? NFC North um, two scenarios, obviously going forward is with and without Aaron Rodgers. So we're still waiting to hear whether number one, he's going to retire or number two uh, he wants out of green Bay or the third option is he stays in green Bay. Um, let me ask you this first. Um, well, maybe we'll talk about the Packers for a second here. Um, what do you think he does?
1: Well, I'll preface this in first saying I'm sure you got a lot of Packers fans listening here, Ryan. am. Uh, mm-hmm. I I know it's very stereotypical because I'm a Bears fan, but I'm not an Aaron Rodgers fan, never have been. Uh, I'm not a just – it's not because he's good. I think he's good. Let me say that. I think he's a good player. He's a Hall of Fame guy. He's had a lot of winning seasons. I just don't care for his attitude. You know, I think he's real arrogant. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the drama that he's causing right now. Like, you don't have to make a decision right this second, but you don't have to be – posting things on social media and getting on podcasts and talking about, eh, I might do this, I might do that. Just kind of make your decision and just move forward with that. Uh, With that being said, I think the most two likely outcomes are that he's going to either stay with the Packers or end up with a different team. I doubt that he retires, even though there's some speculation. I think he's got more that he wants to do, especially I think he wants to get to a Super Bowl or get, you know, an NFC championship whatever it may be, wherever he goes, I think he's going to play no matter what the team is.
0: Okay. Okay. So you think he'll be gone?
1: Yeah. Well, well, I I would say, I think he's just going to play. I don't Mm. know exactly if it's the Packers or if it's with Broncos or another team, but I do think he's going to play for some team next season.
0: Okay. So you don't like Aaron Rodgers, but if you could pick a team other than the Packers that you're like, man, if he goes there, that'd be very interesting. Is there a team that you would pick? Yeah, I right. mean,
1: I think, you know, a lot of people are talking about the Broncos, mm-hmm. uh, but I would say probably the Titans. Oh, and yes. I've heard his name floating around with the Titans. You know, they got Mike Vrabel, uh, a contract extension. Uh, they've had some inconsistencies with the quarterback, Ryan Tannehill. I know you said you're a Dolphins fan. So, you, you know, I'm sure you knew Tannehill yep. a, on the Dolphins. Uh, if maybe they could put Rodgers with oh, that. Your I know sound he... went out. Oh, then.
0: Okay, now it's got back. It's back. Okay,
1: sorry about that. No, uh but up. You know, with with the elite pass catchers, you know, Julio Jones and AJ Brown, some of these guys that the Titans have, you put Aaron Rodgers there along with the running game of Derrick Henry. You know, that's a team a lot of people might be looking at to win the Super Bowl next season. So that intrigues me. If he were to end up on the Titans, you know, how good they could potentially be and kind of that next step they could take with an elite quarterback.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. That's a that's a good one. I think. It's 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 interesting because I feel like if I'm a veteran quarterback trying to win a Super Bowl, I'm going to avoid the AFC. That's true, yeah. You know, but he might not have a choice in that as far as like because there's only so many suitors. It would be interesting uh, if he ends up in San Francisco. There was rumors that uh, San Francisco was interested in him last year before the draft, Um, but we'll see. It depends how much they trust in Trey Lance. Um, Grapple was probably gone, but. Yeah, I think Titans are a good one. The Broncos are a good one. I, I personally, I don't have the hatred for Aaron Rodgers that most people do. So I would love to see him as a Dolphin. I, you know, I don't trust in Tua at all, like personally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, w- let's talk about this. So when when do you think? Because obviously Aaron Rodgers is is a little arrogant. Um, okay. I do think that you know like. I was a big Jordan fan. My, my favorite basketball player is actually Kobe Bryant, but, and when you're, there's a level of arrogance that comes with that type of greatness, yeah. you know, yeah. right. Yeah. So, I'm
1: not gonna, I'm not gonna knock the guy because he's good and I'm yeah. not gonna knock him because, you know, he can take you know, pride in his accomplishments, you know, being a winning quarterback and being on a winning team. But just kind of, I don't know, his demeanor, I'm not a big fan of. You know, I'm I'm not going to go as far as to say I hate the guy. Right. You know, that's he's he's just a football player at the end of the day. You know, he's just a football player, but he's really good at his job. And I I think that he's definitely meaningful. I definitely heard a few Bears fans a couple years ago talking about, hey, what if Rodgers ends up on the Bears? You know, that's a scenario where I probably don't love it, but I don't hate it either. Because if we're winning games, we're winning games. Uh, right. I think the biggest thorn in the side is he's just been on the Packers all these years and he's just kind of tormented the bears. So uh, I, I think that no matter where he ends up, he's going to be successful, but that's why I think he continues to play because he's got more to show.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's true. Uh, and I will say that you hate Aaron Rodgers, just so you know, <laughs> I will say that just to put words in your mouth. I'm just joking. But, um, but what what I find fascinating and maybe, maybe just give your opinion on this. So, Obviously, the Packers, as a Bears fan, the Packers for 30 years have had two Hall of Fame quarterbacks, right? Yeah. They've won two Super Bowls, been the three. What do you think it is? Why can't the Packers be more consistent at getting to the Super Bowl? What, what would you say as a Bears fan? Like even even with the Aaron Rodgers era, because that's the big knock right now is like, oh, Aaron Rodgers doesn't get to the big game enough or whatever. Well, what do you yeah, think it yeah. is?
1: That's a that's a good question and I think if you look at the NFC North as a whole there have been good teams in the NFC North you know the bears have had a couple of isolated years where they were good they haven't done anything in the playoffs but they were good uh, the vikings have had some years you know even the lions ha- have had a couple of years maybe a little bit longer ago uh, but either way I think for the most part though the NFC North has been a pretty weak division mm-hmm. and you look especially at the recent years how, you know, mediocre the Vikings have been, how bad the Lions have been, how mediocre and bad the Bears have been. It's been kind of an easy slate when you play six of your regular season games against those teams. And and even though six games is not majority of your season, I think they maybe aren't quite battle-tested enough. You know, that's kind of a word I like to use. Look at a team like the Rams. They played a division of the Seahawks, who weren't amazing, but they were still a competitive team. Uh, the 49ers and the Cardinals, both very good teams this past season. So I think maybe the week the vision has actually kind of gone against the Packers, once they get in those big game scenarios, they haven't been able to close it out. I mean, look, they just lost on a field goal to the 49ers in the playoffs. Those are the late game scenarios that you need to close out, and they just haven't ever been able to do that. It's not a matter of they're getting routed in the playoffs. They're just getting beaten these close games. They can't close them out
0: yeah no that's 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 a good um i guess because we just don't know i guess i'll say theory but it's a good explanation why 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 you you know like i guess i would i would say like but what about like patriots right the patriots have been in a super weak division so that would be the opposite like the devil's advocate like well look at the patriots they've had the dolphins and the jets and the the bills who haven't been good for a long time, right. like consistently. And, and they, they won the most Super Bowls. Um, But it, it, I, yeah, it's interesting though. I just find it fascinating because there's a lot of different opinions on why the Packers can't get over the big game, but that, that's a good one. Like if you're going to pick one, you know, that they're just, need yeah, it's just hard to on.
1: say and to your point, there's a lot of, there's a lot of thoughts on why the Packers can't get over that hump, so to speak. Uh, and I think, maybe to a degree, there's no explanation for it. You know, know, I don't want to say they've not gotten lucky or they've had bad luck with it, but it's, you know, sometimes it's just one game. It's one game, you know, Mm -hmm. you don't get a series to prove yourself over a course of seven games. You just got to come out that one night and play your best. And sometimes if you get caught off guard a little bit, that can cost you your season. I think it's a little bit unexplainable, but you know, at the end of the day, it is what it is and the Packers haven't been able to do it and you know, they have not been the best team in the league, you know, for several seasons now.
0: Yeah, no, it's true. And then like, I would also say like San Francisco is just a bad matchup for green Bay, like recently, because Kyle Shanahan has had Matt LaFleur's number for the last couple of years. So that's, that's also part of it. So it goes to your like one game, like one game, wrong matchup and you can lose. So it's, it, it happens. Okay. Um uh so let's let's move on from the Packers, talk a little bit about Minnesota a little bit. So uh Kevin O'Connell, they hired him. He was the offensive coordinator for the Rams. The Rams just won the Super Bowl. What do you think of Minnesota?
1: Well, Minnesota is, you know, been mediocre to say the least. Uh they've had some great talent on their teams, especially look at their two pass catchers. I mean, Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. I mean, that's a pretty elite duo. I wouldn't say, and Dalvin Cook, yep. you know, running the ball as well. They've got some real players, but Kirk Cousins is your quarterback, and then you know you're coming off a of coach. Last couple of coaching staffs have been kind of detrimental. I think. Uh, I think O'Connell definitely is promising. You know, with an offensive background, but he wasn't calling the plays. So that's kind of what I'm interested to see. Is you know if he jumps into a play caller role. How is he going to be able to manage his offense? They, they said they have faith in Kirk Cousins. Now, we'll, we'll see if that's what happens if they end up, you know, maybe making a trade or something. But if they do go with Kirk Cousins, can they use Kirk Cousins' strengths to kind of, you know, overlay his weaknesses? Because they think they have the components to be good. It's a matter of coaching and quarterback. That's their two biggest what-ifs. Maybe there's a Vikings fan out there that disagrees. But I think on the surface – the coaching and the quarterback is really what's kind of holding them back right
0: now. Yeah. I I look at um, Kirk cousins, sort of like Ryan Tannehill, right? Like, you know, they're they're kind of the same tier of quarterback where if the situations around them around them is is perfect, they can be good quarterbacks, but once you start taking pieces away or you put a little bit more pressure on their shoulders, they start to sort of deteriorate. So can the coach, limit that pressure on yeah. Kirk cousins yeah. yeah and what i i think is is interesting is i i believe i'm going to say i believe kevin o'connell has been with sean McVay for a while and they i think he was with the uh washington football team yes when Kirk cousins was
1: right so, so he, yes.
0: he he's familiar with Kirk cousins and his work so Maybe he knows how to put him in a better position, but like you said, he also could be just saying what every coach should say at the beginning of getting a hired, because you just don't know what you're going to do for. Yeah, a And I
1: think there's been a lot of talk about, well, you know, Deshaun Watson, where he's going to go. And I'm sure, you know, as a Dolphins fan, a lot of rumors and a lot of speculation of where's Watson going to go. Is he going to get traded or whatever? There's been some rumors flying around about him end up on the Vikings I don't know. I mean, that seems like a risky trade. Just again, with Watson's history in the last couple of years, uh, kind of coming, haven't played at all. You know, in a while, so you don't even know what you're gonna get. I mean, I think they might at some point want to look at investing in a future quarterback. But hmm. to your point, I mean, you know, O'Connell knows Kirk Cousins, and I, I do think that there is maybe a better relationship there than people realize. Yep. Uh, e- even if it's gonna take a little time to figure out the system that they want to go with him. I think they, he's the best guy for the job. And I think they were smart and kind of holding off and making that hire. So I think they're in the best case scenario right now. It's just a matter of, can they develop this team over the off season? Can they be consistent? There's just a lot of questions with them and they're one of the biggest what ifs of the upcoming season, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's a, uh, I agree. I agree with that. Um, Deshaun Watson, if you're a Viking, uh, if you're the Vikings organization or any other organization, would you trade for Deshaun Watson?
1: If I'm the Vikings, no, I would say majority organ majority of the organizations. I would be very lenient unless I got a steal of a deal to get Deshaun Watson. I'm not going to go out of my way to try to get him again, mm-hmm. because he has a history and a track record in the last couple of years that could be detrimental to your team. And you yeah. need a quarterback. I know the Steelers have been a team. That you know they've kind of focused on like what if they get Deshaun Watson, but again I think you need to be you know you need to be very careful with what you do. You don't want to give up too much for a guy that could end up not even playing a full season.
0: Yeah, I was thinking the Steelers as well as a, a team that might be because uh, Brian Flores was just hired there, and I think he yeah. was the the guy in the room that was pushing a little bit more for Deshaun Watson because it yeah. sounded like he didn't really care for Tua like as far as his ability as a quarterback. Um, So him being a Steeler or the Steelers going after him would make sense, but you're right. You don't know what's going to happen. That's the thing that I'm just like, and that's why I never wanted the dolphins to trade for him in the first place, because I'm just like, what if we get him and he's in jail for five years, you know, like, yeah. Until that situation's done. If I'm a team, I just don't, I don't touch it honestly. Unless, unless like you said, you can get a steal of a deal, but it sounds like the Texans are kind of hard fast in what they want for him. Which
1: which surprises me because I feel like they would want to take what they can get, uh, I especially agree. In, in the situation they are now. Uh, but to to the Texans, really quickly, I will interject. I'm a big fan of their coaching hire, Lovey Smith. I'm a big mm-hmm. Lovey Smith guy. Yeah. Former Bears coach, former coach, of the Illinois Fighting Illini. I know a lot of people are down on Lovey Smith, but I think if they can put a somewhat competent team around him, I think he's not a bad coach. I'll just say that.
0: You know, I agree. I think the fact that he got Russ Grossman to a Super Bowl, yeah. um, with that defense, obviously, but that that's a, a high bar. Like, you know what I'm saying? That's oh, like yeah. a high achievement. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, him getting another opportunity is nice. And I forgot that he coached for the Buccaneers, I think for a year.
1: Yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. Um, that, but that was on ESPN or whatever. And I was like, Oh yeah, that happened. <laughs> um, Lions. Let's talk about the Lions for a second. What do you think of their team? Uh, Do you think they finally found the right formula to start becoming a winning organization? Your take?
1: No, that's (laughs) that's the short and sweet answer. I cannot say yes by any means. I, I don't know how I feel about Dan Campbell. He seems just like a old school, you know, tough football guy coach. You know, he's not the modern you know, glitz and glamour of the offense. He's just a football guy. And maybe that's what they need. You know, I'm not going to diss Dan Campbell. It's hard to really judge him, but Jared Goff is not the guy. Jared Mm -hmm. Goff is not the guy that's going to lead them to success, especially in the division with, you know, how the Packers have been. I'm sure they'll put together a competitive team. If the Bears maybe get better, if the Vikings maybe get better, that's going to be really tough for them to overcome some games the, the lions just need an overhaul and they really need to start from somewhere. Maybe they have already, but something's going to have to happen at quarterback and it's not Jared Goff.
0: Yeah. So as a lions backer, so just to give you a little bit of history, my dad's a big lions fan. Okay. So I root for the lions. They're like my second team because I want my dad to get some sort yeah. of success. Um, I do like that. They started by building the, Offensive linemen, uh, the yeah. the trenches, I should say, because they also drafted two defensive linemen, and that's where their focus was last year. Um, there isn't a quarterback that I'm, you know, in the draft that I'm looking at. Like, man, I hope the Lions get him. So they're probably going to draft either um, H- Hutchinson, right, the the guy out of Michigan, the defensive yes. end, and and then there's that other one out of Oregon that they might draft as well. One of those two defensive ends. So they'll be focusing on line the line again. But I kind of like the idea of if you're not going to have a young quarterback, you have the veteran, right? Right. You're not going to win with him. I'm not no. going to say Jared Goff. You're going to win with Jared Goff. But build a team out and then you get that young quarterback and make his life easier when you insert him because of the rest of the team. I like him on St. Brown. Yeah. Um, Josh Reynolds was a sneaky, like good pickup Uh, Not, not great, but like, you know, when you don't have wide receivers, but I I agree with you. I think the jury's still out on Dan Campbell. What I will say about him though, that was pretty impressive for me. Uh, He wasn't Matt Patricia, which is not a high bar. Uh, But the other thing is that I thought the um, Lions were going to win maybe one game and they somehow not not just win one game, but I thought they were going to get destroyed this year and they were competitive in a lot of their games and they won two games somehow. And I think that speaks volumes for him as a coach or as a leader, at least.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. And I think that's what speaks to him being a football guy because I think guys that are just you know, you say football guy, and that's kind of a loose term, you know, because all these guys are football guys, Right, right. he's a guy that's just very hard-nosed, you know, he just is, you want to be competitive in games, even if you aren't the most skilled team, you can still be the more conditioned team, you can be the more physical team, and I think that's what they brought to the table, you know, they kind of put teams on edge a little bit with that physicality, with that condition, you know, that they have, but to your point about Jared Goff, I think that There is not another option right now that makes more sense than Jared Goff. Right. So I'm not against them having Jared Goff. But I definitely think as soon as a good opportunity comes available, they would definitely want to explore their options. Mm -hmm. But they have a good, you know, set place, as you mentioned, the offensive line. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, I think, is, you know, a pretty good tight end. I'm a big fan of their running backs. You know, Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift. I had DeAndre Swift on my fantasy football team. (laughs) He had a lot of really good weeks, but he was injured kind of. So if they can keep him healthy, they have some emerging weapons. It's a matter of can they figure out the passing game and also certain aspects of the defense. Those are two biggest things. And then just kind of becoming a proven team. So Mm -hmm. they have a ways to go. But now with a second-year coach, you know, with a team that's kind of building themselves In two or three years, I can see the Lions becoming a fairly decent team. It's just a matter of these decisions they make this offseason, the next offseason, become very important to their
0: future. Yep, I agree. Yep, I'm with you there. Um, Real quick, before we move off the NFL, is there a team out there, you know, other than maybe a NFC North team that you're like, I can't wait to see what they do going forward?
1: (sighs) That's a good question. Uh, I'm actually the Dolphins that oh. I, I, I want to say the Dolphins because I actually was kind of rooting for the Dolphins myself, you know, they were kind of trying to make that push towards the playoffs late there. Uh, I'm not exactly sure with the whole Brian Flores situation why he was fired. I didn't think he was that bad of a coach. I'm sure you'll be a little weigh on this uh, in a moment. But Tua is, is not the guy I think that's going to lead them to ultimate success. Uh, I'm not saying that they can't give him another opportunity. But, again, they should also explore their options. They shouldn't just say, okay, our QB situation is covered for the moment. If something comes available, I think that they should consider taking it, uh, whether free agent or draft or trade. They need to look into that. But they definitely have some holes to fill. You know, I think they've got some guys that they could potentially resign that would be big. Mike Gesicki would be one of those. Uh, They need to just kind of look at some of the elements of their team and say, what can we do better? And and what can we improve on this offseason – with a new coach coming in, you know, there's a lot of questions, but I think the Dolphins kind of intrigued me as they're at a point where they're kind of in the middle. They can go one way or the other. They can be better or they can be worse. I think a lot of their decisions will kind of, you know, make that difference.
0: Yeah, so Flores, I think, was fired basically because... Him and the um Chris Greer, the GM, and and the owner couldn't agree on things. I think that Chris Greer and the owner are in sync of what they want to do, but I think with uh apparently he's difficult to work with, as is what they the the claims are. Uh, apparently, he told Tua again, you know, obviously these are reports, take everything wow. with a grain of salt, but he told Tua that he, they should the Dolphins should have drafted uh. Uh, Mac Jones
1: okay
0: yeah like halfway through the season I guess he told them this so I don't think he trusts or has any faith in Tua you know watching him for two years I think it's clear just even watching how they coach games with Tua but like as a fan I don't disagree with him that I don't trust Tua like I I feel like I don't know if it was the hip injury or whatever but he just does not have arm strength it's no. like I I was telling the uh, guys on a different podcast, it's basically like Drew Brees at the age of 38. That's what it looks like out there, him throwing. Well,
1: he's been a very injured guy. You know, even in college, there was a lot of questions. And I think that's why a lot of teams now are very cautious when drafting guys with an injury history. I'm not saying Tua, they should have totally passed over Tua because of that reason. But there were a lot of questions and a lot of red flags that came with drafting Tua. So I think they kind of, you know, getting, you know, what they get. I mean, you know, they knew what they were getting into and it's kind of showing and proving to be true.
0: Yeah, no, and I I agree with that. And and I was excited about Tua because of what the bills that were sold to me, you know, like I kind of was buying in. I watched some tape on him. He looked good. But, you know, like when you're in Alabama offense, it's just it's hard to it's hard to really judge players, especially quarterbacks, because all your players are always open. Um, But he has like, he has good anticipation on throws, but it feels like he can't get off his first read. Like he starts to scramble a little bit. He's only really good in RPOs. It seems like, which is different from college to the NFL uh, because of how deep the offensive lineman can go in the NFL. So um, now I, it's but It's not the first Bill Belichick disciple though, that has been claimed to be difficult working with, you know? So I, it's not like I, I I don't find, I I guess I find those claims to be realistic. Um, Now the other stuff, as far as like giving him a hundred thousand dollars to lose games or whatever, um, I already said on a podcast, I really don't care about that because they're, they don't reward winning in the NFL. So if if you're going to tank for one year, you want to, like, as a Dolphin fan, I wanted to get the first pick over all that year. Yeah. Right. I didn't want number five. We got number five, but, and, and we ended up getting Tua with it. But apparently, reports were after the combine and, and the process, they wanted to draft Burrow. Mm. Like, they offered three first round picks to move up to get, uh, Cincinnati but Cincinnati's like no we want bro so that that's my thing is like I get like there's sort of like an ethics thing but if you I think worse things probably go on in the NFL I'm just sort of like realistic about it probably more coaches get paid to lose and losing stinks so if you're gonna lose and you're getting paid a hundred thousand dollars extra to lose might Might as well well, yeah, yeah right right um, so it's like, to me, if, if there would be like more of like a lottery system, like in the NBA to the NFL, I could see like th- there'd be more of an ethical issue, but you don't reward winning for the yeah. lower half team. So you might as well incentivize your guys to lose at some point. I, that's how I feel about it. But yeah. I'm glad you're looking forward to them. I just, I think if they can get a good quarterback, that that's really what they need right now. And, and, uh, maybe pieces on the offensive line. Um, the, the coach, they hire Mike McDaniels. He's a really good, he was the run coordinator for a long time in San Francisco. And that's one of their strengths has been. So I'm actually looking forward to that. Hopefully they fix that run game because that's been kind of. Yes. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I I don't know. hundred percent agree with that. And I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot of questions surrounding a lot of teams, so they're not alone, Uh, Mm -hmm. but it just, you know, make, make smart decisions. I mean, I think that has to go without saying is just, you know, don't make moves that are going to maybe hurt you down the road, you know, moves that are kind of flip of a coin with guys that have come off injury history and things. I think that's, you know, unless you can get them for a really good deal, I wouldn't invest in a guy coming off an ACL injury or something like that. Teams like the Dolphins and the Bears, they just need more proven guys. And yeah. I'm consistent in saying that. They need guys that are going to play a lot of games and going to play consistently. I think the Dolphins in a very similar boat, but they they have a – decent future if they can execute
0: it well yep yeah i agree with that okay you ready to talk about some nba now let's do it okay so nba uh as you mentioned let's start before we get into the bowls let's just what 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 team out there in the nba surprises you or like that you're like man that's crazy how good they're doing or whatever uh right now after the all-star break
1: boy that, that's tough there's been a lot of ups and downs there's been quite a few teams that i've looked at in the nba i'm like man they should be better like mm. i think a surprise to me are the charlotte hornets mm. i thought they were going to be a lot better and now they're actually one of the worst seeds in the east not to say they can't move up from that you know they're not incapable i thought they would find themselves maybe fixed fifth sixth in the east something like that uh i'm actually a little surprised the bulls are doing as good as they have i Thought they would be good, but maybe not quite this good. Uh, but I think that they're proving that they're, they're a good team now. Uh, kind of just looking at some other teams, though, especially kind of if you look at the Western Conference, Memphis Grizzlies are having outstanding. Yeah. Teams. And I, I think that I also – another team I thought would be pretty good, but not this good. And the Grizzlies with 41 wins already, they're the third best team in the Western Conference right now, and that's hard to believe. Uh, they're a team with John Morant, you know, that's really well coached. They've been playing really good basketball and I'm kind of excited to see what they do. I'm kind of a outside Grizzlies fan. I kind of root for the Grizzlies a little bit, so I'm kind of curious to see what they do, but kind of interesting. I mean, it's going to be an interesting last half of the season. And I think, you know, these next few weeks are going to be really telling on some of these teams.
0: Yeah. So in preparation to getting together for you, I wanted to get my, um, my thoughts uh what what my thoughts were at the beginning of the season with the chicago bulls right because i didn't want to like i was like what did i i think about them? so we did do like a big like pre-season preview podcast uh, by the way avery who's been on the podcast here uh big grizzlies uh well he's a big job morant fan so like he, he he's rooting for the grizzlies as well so maybe one of these days we'll get both of you on you guys can geek out about that a little bit <laughs> um but uh, I, one of the teams we talked about was to keep Cleveland Cavaliers
1: that, yeah, that I, I, you know, I forget about them half the
0: time. <laughs> well, and that's the thing is like, uh, even for me, we, we were all like, yeah, this team, when we were doing the preview, like we talked about the team and like, yeah, they're not their lottery. They, they probably won't even win 21 games. They have three players on a roster on the roster that you probably would want. And right. here they are. Sitting fourth, so to me, that 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 like between like the surprise, the Cavs for me are like the surprise of like wow, and like the disappointment for me would be like the Lakers. I'm, I'm, you know, go ahead.
1: Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm kind of just thinking like that, that makes sense, and your point about the Cavaliers. If I had to guess at the beginning of the season, I would flip where the Cavaliers are right now with a team like the Hornets or the Hawks
0: Mm -hmm, because
1: I think that their situations would almost be reversed. So it's kind of interesting the fact the Cavaliers have been as good as they have been, but I don't think it's like a fake good. Like I think Mm. they are proving that like, Hey, we're a solid team. We're here to play. They've made some trades, you know, right before the deadline, but you know, the Lakers are a team. I'm not a big fan of the Lakers. I know you're a Kobe Bryant fan, but the current present Lakers, I'm not a big LeBron James guy. I don't really care too much for Anthony Davis. I just don't think that they have that cohesive unit. I think a lot of these teams, some of the best teams in the league right now, are figuring out, hey, you don't have to have a super team to win games. Correct. I mean, look at the Bulls. Look at the Grizzlies. Their teams, they have really good players. They have superstar guys, but they aren't based solely on what those guys can do. They want their both their bench and starting units to be solid. They want to have solid coaching. A team like the Lakers doesn't have that. They play very individual. Frank Vogel is not a very good coach. And the way LeBron controls his teams and has so much influence and stuff that a player really shouldn't, I think is kind of detrimental to the Lakers. And I think that's ultimately why they're ninth in the West right now and don't really have a good shot at moving up towards the top seed unless they make a big-time miracle turnaround in the last couple of months.
0: Yeah, so... Um, just with that, yeah, I'm a big Kobe fan. I don't, I'm not a big Lakers fan. I'm and I'm with you on LeBron James. I, I feel the same exact way you do. Basically, I I think like nothing was more detrimental for the Lakers than them not trading for the Buddy Hield trade that they had versus the Westbrook trade. Um, I just thought that we would see it in the playoffs. That, that's what surprised yeah. me. I thought the regular season, like Russell Westbrook would come in and he is kind of plays a similar style to LeBron James in the sense that he dominates the ball. He can get to the paint. And then the way he ended the season last year with Washington, I thought like, oh, that's just going to. So the regular season, I'm like, the Lakers will be fine. It's the playoffs. We'll see where there'll be zero spacing. You know, Anthony Davis is probably going to be on his seventh injury. Eighth injury or whatever. And, you know, LeBron is going to have to carry this team. Now, LeBron has been super impressive. I'm going to give him that credit as far as on the basketball court at the age of 38 or 39, whatever he is right now. But I'm just surprised of how bad that team is with those three guys and and it's because i think russell westbrook fell off a cliff is what well that's very
1: true and i'm just looking at the stats right here uh anthony davis has played 37 games Mm -hmm. lebron has played 41 games and russell westbrook has played 57 games so look at how many games those guys have missed yeah so to be fair to a lakers fan they haven't had that complete unit for a lot of this season because they faced injuries but that's what you know what you get with lebron now being quite a bit older that's what you know you get with anthony davis being injury prone in recent years but i want to i want to give a shout out to billy donovan because billy donovan coached russell westbrook in you know his best days with oklahoma city yeah. and i think that goes to show how good billy donovan is to just be able to coach a successful team you know around russell westbrook now look at a team with a coach that I don't think is very good. You know, I'm not going to knock the guy, but I don't think he's a very good coach. Frank Vogel can't do the same things with Russell Westbrook and he can't come up with the same schemes to incorporate all these guys to make him successful. So I think that's why Russell Westbrook has fallen off. He doesn't have the same coaching and the same scheme around him that he has in the past. And he can't really make the same shots and do the same things that he has been able to. So a lot of it's hinging on the injuries and whatnot right now, but I agree. Russell book has really been big detrimental part to this team.
0: Yeah, and what, one thing like so, Luke is a, a Paul George fan. Luke, he's on the podcast. You'll have to talk to him because he's like when he was in Oklahoma, I did. Did did Donovan also coach when Paul George was there?
1: I think briefly, 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 it may have been like when he got fired was like Paul George's second year or something like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's just hard. I think it's just hard, though, to coach guys like Russell Westbrook because the team has to be built around them. Right. It's like it's like you got to have. Four shooters, and if you don't, the space gets more and more congested. And we see how this league has developed into space and pace. But um, I just also think like LeBron's the same way. Mm -hmm. One thing that I've always like, I'm not, and this is not like I hate LeBron James podcast because I think he's playing really great. But the hard part about playing with LeBron is I don't think he's a very fluid player as far as like he offensively he had he does one thing and it's worked for him he's won championships with it so it's hard to knock it but he's not like a catch and shoot guy he's not somebody who comes off screens he he poses up sometimes but for the most part he's i'm gonna dribble the ball and i'm gonna make something happen and and the yeah. other guys just be ready to shoot so i just feel like it's hard to play with a guy like that and then it's hard to play with like because you have to change your game to fit them, and and the same with West for Westbrook. So I think they're having a hard time. Like you said, not only did have haven't they had enough time to play together, but it's hard to integrate those two things together when both two, you got two guys on your team that doesn't really play off the ball.
1: Well, yeah, and ex- exactly. And I look at you know LeBron James. You mentioned he's averaging twenty nine points a game. I mean that's pretty spectacular, especially for you know him being probably not in his best years. You know he's right. played his best years long ago uh, but kind of the theme of this team is just inconsistency yep because you look up and down this roster I mean the last couple years ago right they had guys that kind of emerged really solid bench options like Alex Crusoe who Mm -hmm. knows all the Bulls now they've had some guys that were just consistent pieces that offered something particular whether it be defense or whatever it might be That just offered something good to the team and I think that's why they won You know, an NBA championship a couple seasons ago. Now, look at this team. LeBron James, of course, has been playing well, but he's got some inconsistencies. Anthony Davis is inconsistent. Russell Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony, Dwight Howard. I mean, this team would have been like spectacular like 10 years ago and it would have been like an all star team. But now it's a lot of veteran guys that even watch, if you've ever watched the Lakers game, notice how bad they are getting back on defense. Mm -hmm. They're not a very well conditioned team. They're just older, And I think that just kind of goes to show why they aren't playing at an elite level right now. They're just getting, you know, other teams are running circles around them with younger guys, you know, with more talent. It's really just kind of a bad storm for the Lakers. And I think that If anything, they need to start to incorporate some better future players to this team in the coming you know, next couple of years. Otherwise, this team is going to be gone and retired, you know, three seasons from now.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And like the Frank Vogel thing, it's it's hard for me to judge him as a coach, like any coach. It's like when you have a superstar on your team, it's hard to judge coaches. It just is because basketball to me is so player focused that you could be an average coach. And if you have LeBron James on your team, you're going to be in the playoffs every year, right? Like um, Mike Brown's a good example of this. What has he kind of coach has he been without LeBron? Right. Right. Um, But With him, he is definitely a defensive minded coach. And I think what the Lakers did to him wasn't very fair, taking away all the defenders off this team, like Caruso, like KCP. Kuzma was a solid defender. He wasn't a great defender, but he was a solid defender. He tried on defense because he knew that was the only way he was going to get on the court. So then they take all these guys off the team. And then it's like, well, now you have all these veterans who don't want to play defense. None of them want to play defense. So I think that's probably another, you know, where I'll give Frank Vogel a little bit of a pass uh, as far as whether he's a good coach or not. That that team is definitely not built around the way he wants to play basketball. Yeah, exactly. I
1: 100% agree. 100% agree.
0: Okay. So we mentioned Caruso. We mentioned Billy Dolvin. Let's talk about your Chicago Bulls. Um, let, let's go off season first. You signed... Lonzo Ball, Caruso, and DeMar DeRozan. So big overhauls. How did you feel at that point when um, you saw what the team looked like? How did you feel at that point as a Bulls fan, like what kind of season you were going to have?
1: I was excited, you know, as a feeling. I was pretty excited. Uh, I was kind of shocked to see the DeMar DeRozan signing because that kind of just came out of nowhere. Like Mm. I I wasn't seeing like all these rumors. Oh, DeMar is going to sign. It was like a couple of days and then it just, boom, it happened. I was excited about it. I was like, okay, hey, that, that's that's a proven player. You know, maybe he's not been quite as good as he was with Toronto, but I think he can offer something. Well, look at him now. I mean, he's, you know, absolutely been fantastic. But with especially with Caruso and Lonzo, I was excited about that because I'm like, those are two guys that have definitely shown they can be real assets to a team. They can offer kind of that, you know, glue guy. You know, they're that glue guy. They can make the assists. They can get the steals. They can play good defense. Lonzo is a better point guard than they've had in several years, probably back to Derrick Rose, because honestly, as a Bulls fan the last few years, it's been miserable. You know, pre-Billy Donovan, they didn't even have these, you know, the players and the personnel to put together a competitive roster. I mean, they're running out there, Ryan, Archie Diaconel, and guys you probably never heard of before a starting point guard, you know, for the Chicago Bulls, you know, that's just something that was really holding them back. So now I think they're so much more consistent. You know, I think they're not relying solely on players, but on a team basis. And I think that's where Billy Donovan comes to tie all of that in. Uh, I'm just, it was excited. And of course, I think my excitement has proven to be true is, you know, I'm, I'm pretty happy with where they are right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I per like I, when I, so I went back and I listened to my thoughts, like when, when, mm-hmm. when I, it happened and really it just came down to like, can DeRozan and Levine make it work? That that's the thing. I love the Caruso and ball signing because they don't have to have the ball to be effective. Yeah. In fact, Lonzo ball, doesn't like to have the ball too much. Right. Like he likes to pass it. He's, he's I'm just like, that'll work. But the question really is the De, DeRozan and Levine fit if they can make it work. Now, every team, I feel like needs two playmakers. You need two yeah. playmakers and they both play make. And I think that's what has surprised me the most is that they fit so well, so quickly.
1: Yeah. And that is surprising because I thought that it would have been hard to get both of them, the ball, the way they wanted to, but honestly, I got to give a lot of credit to Marta Rosen because I think, he had such an attitude shift. I'm not saying that he's not always been a guy that can make plays for his teammates, but I almost think coming in, he realized, okay, I got to be a little bit different. My style of play has to be different. I can take the big shots and I can make the big shots, but I also need to incorporate my teammates more. Maybe it was a sit down with the coaches and they're like, look, you know, you can be a really beneficial part of this team. If you kind of change the way you play your game a little bit, I'm just speculating here on that but I almost feel like he kind of switched up a little bit to be a more selfless player. And I think now that he's distributing is also allowed him to get more open opportunities. Now that teams are forced to guard all five guys on the floor, mm. not just DeMar DeRozan. And I think that's why he's taken such a big leap this year. I understand some people were like, Oh, that's a bad signing. You know, he's kind of exiting his prime. He's getting to be a little bit older, but he's proving that he was an amazing signing and probably one of the best of the off season. I mean, NBA all-star starter. I mean, that's, that's a pretty good, you know, asset to your resume and definitely looking for more in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I also think like his sort of um, what do you want to call it? I, I don't want to call it exile, but his stint with the Spurs helped him Yeah. because I, I, what people don't realize, even though the Spurs weren't like a great team, it wasn't his fault necessarily that the roster was reshaping after losing Kawhi and yeah. Aldridge and the, retirement of tim duncan um he averaged more assist as a spur than he is right now with the bulls right. so he sort of learned how to be a playmaker i think like that's something that was lost when he came back because we're all thinking oh well toronto demar right like toronto right. Durar. um the other thing is, unlike w- what we talked about with westbrook and lebron i think zach levine is a very fluid player like yeah. he can catch the ball and shoot. He can come off screens and shoot. He's explosive and he can also play with the ball. So when you pair two guys like that together, it, it's, it's, it's a much more um, easier fit.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think the only thing, and, and I, I will say something bad about Zach Lee. and I think even though he, he's still a little bit of a younger player. I mean, he's been around the block in this league and I think, you know, he's definitely a proven guy. Sometimes he can get a little emotional in the game and kind of starts forcing things. But overall, I mean, compared to, as as you mentioned, Russell Westbrook and some of these other guys, he's so fluid. And I think he's, they've really created a great team bond. Everything that I'm hearing is that they're just very comfortable with each other. And I think it's just becoming more and more comfortable as the season goes along. Hopefully next year we get a very similar looking group, maybe with a few additions, I just like the way they're playing. They're fun to watch. That's what I said to you know my dad and some of my friends that now they're fun to watch again yeah, because yeah. they're making plays. They're making big shots. It's just a fun basketball team to watch.
0: Yeah. And once they start to get more healthy too, right? Because I think Caruso yeah. is coming back and, and Lonzo and obviously Levine has that knee thing. So hopefully they can stay healthy Uh, moving uh, forward Uh, hot take for you though Um, I I actually think that Levine is a very underrated player Um, yeah I agree statistically he's actually better than Devin Booker and a lot of people think that Devin Booker is just like great player or whatever but I actually think Levine's better he's more explosive and he's statistically better so I don't know anyway just to throw you out throw that out there to Bulls fans uh, that I think Levine's better than Booker. So you, you're good there. Um, okay. So another thing I wanted to talk to you about that I uh, text you actually about, um, is the trade deadline. So one of my sneaky losers that nobody talked about was the Chicago bulls. And I'm just going to give my, like, just real quick, yeah, you know, and then, and then you can rebuttal is basically just that the rest of the East got better and they didn't, yeah. they didn't do anything. So they were, their number two, I think right now in the, the, the East, they were number one when at the time that the trade deadline happened. And I felt like it was, would have been good for them in a year where it seems like anybody could win a championship, right? Because there isn't like that team out there that you're scared of or whatever. I'm like, this is the year to go for it. And they, they, I feel like they're one piece away. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's the way I feel and the fact they didn't do anything I was like in the uh, the other teams did the other teams, the uh, top tier teams in the East did. I just felt like they were a little bit of a loser.
1: I, I I would agree with that because I think there was a lot of opportunity for them to be better. You know, I think a lot of things floated around about Jeremy Grant, I think specifically was one of the big ones because that's kind of a positional need for the bulls is kind of that power forward. Uh, The guy that they were going to, try to run out there was Patrick Williams. And he lasted five games before he went down for the year. I know a lot of people have mixed feelings on Patrick Williams. I know that he was talked a lot about being one of those pieces that they would have traded, you know, and for a Jeremy Grant or a, you know, a championship winning caliber guy, I think that they could have done it and I wouldn't have been mad at it myself, but honestly, the fact that they stayed I'm not hating either. I'm kind of on the fence. And mm. even if they don't and they lose in the first or second round, I'm still gonna not be mad at it because I think the way that the front office works, I think they're very smart, you know, they've they know, they've seen many teams, they've seen a lot of transactions. They know what a winning team looks like, and I think they have a lot of confidence in this team. I think that adds a boost of confidence to the guys that are currently on the roster. Hey, they know, they still feel confident enough that we can win. They weren't so desperate to go out and get a guy because they feel like with the right system and everybody healthy, these guys can still go out and be competitive. And I definitely agree with that, especially considering majority, if not all of these guys you could bring back next year within some additions. So I think the bulls are at a spot right now where, yeah, they didn't get better, but I think only thing that's holding them back is some injuries. And Mm -hmm. I think once they get this team complete, Especially if Patrick Williams, Alex Crusoe, and Lonzo Ball are all playing at the same time with this current roster they have, I mean, watch out. You know, they have some pieces that, in a sense, they would be adding to their team that are already there. They just yeah. need to get them healthy to play again.
0: Yeah, no, that's a that's a great point. Yeah, so I'm I, so I'm I'm weird. I'm a Detroit Pistons fan. That's yeah. my favorite team. So I actually was like, the Bulls should trade for Jeremy Grant because. I was on that that bandwagon because, well, number one, the Pistons are rebuilding. And the fact, right. if we would have got Patrick Williams in the deal, I'm just like, well, that would be nice to put next to Cade. The second thing for the Bulls is like, if Patrick Williams becomes Jeremy Grant, I think that the Bulls would be happy with that, right? Yeah. Like if that's his his floor, the Bulls are like, yeah, we'll take Jeremy Grant. So um. The, and the third thing with along with that is that I feel like where the Bulls might struggle a little bit is what you you mentioned is is sort of that need in position is when you're fa- facing um, the Bucks and yes. the the Nets, right? Because although Jeremy Grant is not going to lock down Giannis, he's not going to lock down Durant. Nobody can, but he will make them work, and that's what I feel like. As a bull, somebody who's looking at the bulls as far as getting to the championship, when you have to play those two players and you're making it sort of easier on them because you don't have Patrick Williams, you don't have that defender right now. Go out, get a Jeremy Grant. All of a sudden you have somebody who's going to make them work. It, It gives you a better chance of getting through those series. So that's why I would have done that trade.
1: Yeah, they're a little undersized, and I definitely agree with that. That's been a big need, even at, like, backup center. Uh, Mm -hmm. They have Tony Bradley, who, you know, doesn't play a lot of minutes, and and he's not amazing. I mean, he's, you know, a third-string guy realistically in the league uh, on, you know, a good team. But he's had to step in and play some more minutes by Nikola Vucevic. Uh, But the Bulls did just go out and get Tristan Thompson, who was Mm -hmm. bought out. I'm a fan of that move because he's not really a power forward, but – he adds another layer to their interior defense, to you know, rebounding. He's not a scorer, but they don't need him to be. Right. I think my only reservation with getting Jeremy Grant would have been, you know, Jeremy Grant, in a sense, can be a little bit of a playmaker. You know, he can make his own shots and things. You know, he he likes to have the ball, you know, and he scores a lot of points and, and he's really good. I just don't think that they wanted to take that risk to disrupt the flow of DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine. I think. If anything, they wanted to add more of a complementary piece. Uh, I think Jacob Poldle was one of those guys from the Spurs. They were trying to add a you know a big man to their mm. team. They couldn't make the deal, and they couldn't get it done. But I think that would have been best-case scenario, especially you wouldn't have had to give up a guy like Patrick Williams. I think the Bulls are concerned about now and in the future, and I think that's very smart. They don't want to put all their eggs into one basket because next year they may be able to – Get that guy where they take that step up in free agency or be a trade or something. There's just a lot of mixed feelings, and I think it's really hard to say, and I think that's where the front office was as well. But at the end of the day, they decided to stay where they were, and, and I think that's the safest route, and I think a route that also can prove to be good. You just have to give it a little more time.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's a fair point. I, I would say like, I'm, I'm with you on that is like, you want to kind of build now and for the future, but the other, like the other part is like, if you win a championship, right, you will sacrifice the future yeah. for a championship now. Right. That's so true. like in Germ- Jeremy Grant's only 26 or 27. I agree that he might've disrupt the flow a little bit. Uh, so that's a, that's a great point. Um, the only other thing that it would have done though is you would have had a little bit more insurance in case you had another injury, a big injury. Yes. Like if Levine had to miss a playoff they're, series they're for they're, whatever, but you're right. It, it's like, it, it's the same with Memphis, right? Like Memphis was also in trade rumors, but like, do you want to disrupt the flow where we're third in the West? Why, you know?
1: Yeah. Don't, uh, don't disrupt the flow. Because I think at this point in the season, you know, you trust your guys and you mentioned how fluid Zach Levine is. I don't think that they would necessarily like say, Oh, they don't trust us to make the big plays by bringing in Jeremy Grant. But at the same time, when you've got more guys that you know want to touch the ball and you're moving around a little bit, that can kind of change the narrative of your team. And I think at this point in the year, you know, teams are a little bit less willing to take a chance to try to incorporate these guys because they want to be playing their best ball right now. Yep. Not necessarily in two months because they want to have a top seed. They want to go into the playoffs feeling good, not, oh we're just starting to figure it out they want to be able to figure it out right now so i think the safer route was to do nothing and very similar with the grizzlies as you mentioned but but again there's a lot of what ifs what if they did trade for jeremy grant could they win a championship you know what if they traded for somebody else could they win a championship i guess we'll never know
0: yeah and i think i think the other thing is if if chicago was maybe a 6 seed instead of a 1 seed you know like first yeah. in the maybe yep. they would be more prone to act right now be like hey we just need that last piece but they're like hey we're we're doing good so we might as well stay now the other part of me is I like playoff basketball is so different than regular season basketball and we see that every year where number one seeds like they don't always get to the finals and there's a reason for that and 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 that's where I'll go like DeMar DeRozan knows this because he's been In Toronto, a high seed who's fallen to the better, the player, Cavs Cavs and LeBron. But yeah. So, what, who, who right now then? Let's just um, talk about this real quick. Who right now is your um, pick to win or get to the finals? The two teams you think is going to get to the finals?
1: Well, from the East, I mean, man, there's a lot of teams. And Mm -hmm. I I think that's such, it's like, you know, you say, and it's like another team and make it. And you're like, ah, it makes sense. I would like to say the Bulls, but I'm not going to say the Bulls just because i want to be realistic. I think a team that can make it, and especially if another team that gets everybody healthy, that can make a big move, uh, is a team in the Milwaukee Bucks. You know, I think that they've had a few ups and downs here and there. But, you know, even though they're kind of coming off the last couple of years where they've been very good, they won the NBA championship. You know, I, I know that maybe some people still look at them as the favorites but I still think they have even more to prove, you know, they're the fifth seed in the East right now. You know, I don't think they're going to get complacent. And you mentioned that the top seed doesn't, you know, largely doesn't always win. So I think Mm -hmm. the bucks start to continue to move up the standings. They're going to finish probably third or fourth, something like that. But I think they have a lot to show in the playoffs, especially coming off a year where they made such a big run. They've got guys that are more experienced in the playoffs. I like the bucks, but with that being said, I think there's, seven eight nine teams that that realistically could get there and, mm-hmm. and i wouldn't be shocked uh i think that's just the hard thing with the east right now is to kind of pick a team
0: mm. okay yeah.
1: and then for the west i'm gonna go ahead and say i think not the phoenix suns especially with chris paul being out for a while i think it's gonna be the golden state warriors oh, yeah. and i know we haven't talked about them much i know there's been a lot of talk about the grizzlies I like Steph Curry a lot. You know, I kind of like the way he plays now with Clay Thompson, continuing to get more settled in each and every game. He's just getting a little bit more into it, kind of feeling himself a little bit more. I think they're a deeper team than they've been in the past. You know, they had Kevin Durant and some of those guys during their big runs, but I think they're a deeper team. I think Steve Kerr is a good coach. I think they're a little more team-based now with the, of course, superstars of Klay Thompson and Steph Curry to kind of lead them. I think Golden State has the components to be able to get to the championship uh, and, and also win it as well. But with that, again, being said, there are seven or eight teams in the West that I could also see getting to the finals. It's just so hard to say at this point with a lot of season left to go.
0: Yeah. Okay. So obviously just a heads up to everybody who listens, we will have a playoff preview podcast. So it's not like we're setting this in stone, but right now, if you had to choose, you would say maybe like you're leaning, you're leaning yeah. bucks and warriors. warriors.
1: Yes. Uh, and I would say probably if those two teams met, I'm, I'm going to go with the warriors because I just think that there's just something about the warriors. They kind of have that X factor. You know, I know Steph Curry can really get it going in a hurry. Uh, I would say probably the Warriors in six or seven games would be my pick, but that's a very early prediction. I think there's a lot to be seen and a lot to, you know, be analyzed before we kind of make that, you know, hard prediction.
0: I I agree because I was just reading on online that Murray and Porter could be back for the nuggets by the end of the season. So that could be interesting. I also know that like, uh, The Clippers haven't shut down the possibility of Kawhi and Paul George and Norman Powell coming back. So how that team has stayed afloat despite not having those guys is crazy. I think like when you want to talk about good coaches, Ty Lu, I think is a really good coach. I think he just he just knows how to coach. It showed last year in the playoffs when they lost Kawhi. They still beat the Jazz. And really they almost beat the Suns. Like there was that um that what point for dunk that if DeMarcus Cousins stands yeah. in the right place, that, that, mm-hmm. that alley-oop out of bounds anyway. But anyway, uh, just, just saying he's a good coach. My early prediction, I think I'm with you with the Bucks okay. right now. Yeah. Um, I think they have the defense as well as the, um, bowls to guard James Harden, um, I, I, I think that that's going to be a really interesting fit between Harden and Embiid. I'm interested to see how they go together. They will figure it out because they're great players, but um, Embiid has been playing at an MVP-like level, and now that you're putting James Harden in there, it's going to disrupt that. To well, I,
1: I agree, and I think the one thing, I do think, though, that the 76ers are going to be better than they were, say, if Ben Simmons did play. I think the one thing that I didn't make sense to me personally with the 76ers was their lineup was so big. Like they had so many, like Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid. They had Al Horford at one point a couple of years ago. uh, And then like one guard, like they were getting beat on the perimeter so much because all their guys were so big. That's great. You can defend the inside, but they had trouble defending the perimeter. Now I think they're more of a traditional team. They've got a couple of really good big men. They've got a couple of guards to can play, James Harden obviously being one of them. We'll see if they mesh well, but I think their odds now more as a traditional team make a little more sense than they did with Ben Simmons at point guard and having like two or three centers running out on the floor. Like that's just that's just me.
0: Yeah, no, I agree because it, it, it gives them floor spacing. I always thought with Simmons and Embiid, they they both, their best offensive uh game of basketball their best offensive skills in basketball I should say were both in the same area like towards towards the paint and as you get towards the paint it gets more congested so it works in the regular season but when it comes to the playoffs it's hard because it's more congested and teams have more time to prep for you so I do and let's face it them having James Harden is better than them not having Ben Simmons. Yes, so, exactly. So, right, right. And and I'm also interested in the Nets because like mm-hmm. Ben Simmons, uh, there was a report today that said he'll be back in in a couple weeks, it sounds like, instead of months. So it sounds like he's getting ready to come back. So the fit with him, Curry's going to be there now and Durant, so you're going to have more floor spacing with him. So it's going to be interesting to see how that works. But with that being said, I think the Bulls and the Bucks are really good at it. I mean in a really good position to guard someone like James Harden, right? Yes. So then then it's Embiid. You can let Embiid go for 50 and still win a game. One player right. can score fifty points, you can still win the game. So with that being said though, the the Giannis factor against the Bulls has me picking the Bucks right yeah. now. I just think. Uh, he's, I
1: agree.
0: Yeah. And as far as the Western conference, obviously Chris Paul's injured right now. So it's, it's hard. And with all the injuries, but I'm with you, I'm going to go warriors. as Well, so I'm not actually, you know, like I just think Draymond green is still a really, a, a really, really great defender. Um, I will. The only thing I'll differ on maybe is I will go with the bucks winning over okay. the warriors, because I think Giannis, Figured something out last year in the playoffs. He became totally unguardable. Draymond and him will be a fun matchup to watch. I like the Drew Holiday against Steph Curry yes. matchup because he'll. And then you like. I also like the Middleton and and uh, yeah, uh, Clay Thompson matchup. And then Grayson Allen is a good defender, a cheap player. Like yeah, I'm, I'm not. not a,
1: big, I'm not a big Grayson. I Allen, don't play.
0: <laughs> no, I don't play you at all. But anyway. Uh, I think that'll be a fun matchup a fun finals right now that just, this is not set in stone. Everybody listening. This is, there's still a lot of season to go. So. Okay, man. Um, That's all I got. You got anything for me? I I don't. I mean,
1: I mean, there's a lot of season left to go. I mean, NBA, it's going to be fun. I, you know, I try to watch as as much as I can, you know, of course we watch a lot of bulls games in my household, but. You know the national TV games we watch a lot. I'm just curious to see can some of these teams figure it out. You know, I mean that's gonna be really fun to watch down the stretch and eager to talk a little more about it coming down the road.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I'll I'll invite you on again. Um real quick though, uh so uh so the listeners know how we were connected, uh I'm friends with your uncle. Yes. Tommy yeah. and you have done your own podcast.
1: I have yes uh it it was a just kind of a random startup thing. You know, I was, I've always been a big sports guy and, you know, I've always liked talking about sports and discussing sports. That's always been something I've really been into. So I'm like, Hey, why not put in a podcast? Right. So this is like four, four years ago or something like that. Uh, I know way more than I did then, but it was just kind of fun to do. Me and my cousin, uh, did it for a while, kind of off and on, uh, haven't really done it in the last, year year and a half or so it kind of just fizzled out i've moved on to some bigger ventures uh, if you want to say that but you know it was fun while it lasted and you know i'm not saying they we won't rule out in the future maybe bringing it back uh, to life again because we, we we've got some good listenership and things it was just a fun thing to do
0: so what's uh, just in case people want to go back and listen to you Um, what's the, the, I'll let you this, I I know what it's called, but do you want to tell the, the,
1: it was called cousins cuts podcast because me and my cousin were the primary two that would do most of the episodes. Although I did incorporate several guests on, uh, family members and friends and people that I know that, you know, like different teams and whatever. So we did that quite a bit as well. Uh, you'll get to hear me. I sound like a five-year-old girl, uh, because I was like. 11 or 12 when I was doing this. So, uh, you know, it's it is the same person just for if you're wondering if you go back and listen. But uh, there's some back from several years ago to some a little bit more recent uh, cousins cuts. You can basically just look it up on Google or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast up.
0: Yeah, it was it was kind of fun listening to you guys talk about uh, I listened to your last podcast, you know, just in prep just to kind of get an idea yeah. of like, you know what your thoughts are and, and who you know when it comes to sports and stuff, and it was funny because it, the title was uh, you know, it was the Super Bowl, it was the Super Bowl that was the last time you did a podcast, and it was uh, Isaac says it's rigged yeah. <laughs> or something like that. That was kind you, of funny, well, to see,
1: and to. I think people will find if you know maybe you've listened to a few of them. My, my cousin Isaac is always like loves to be the kind of that's contrary to all the popular beliefs, and he wants to be the guy to you know, exposed. Oh, it's rigged. You know, it's, it's fixed. You know, the fix was in, he's always looking to think that, you know, I mean, we do it to just be funny, you know, just kind of get a few laughs here and there, but we just loved having good banter because we don't really like any of the same teams. So we would always go back and forth. He's a big LeBron guy. I'm not a LeBron guy. You know, he liked James Harden. I don't, you know, James Harden isn't my favorite player. We just like to go back and forth a lot. So if, if you listen to some older ones, you'll definitely hear some, good banter if you would call
0: it that that's that's awesome yeah it was it was funny because like we uh luke who comes on the podcast will sometimes talk about maybe like sports being rigged and i'm like listen luke i can't believe that otherwise i can't watch it if if it's if it's rigged it's no better than the wwe and i can't watch it so yeah um now what are you doing right now
1: well right now i am i got into this thing uh kind of you know, obviously, COVID is very present. But last year, actually, right about this time, so like February, uh, I got connected with a kind of a local startup company. I'm based in Peoria, Illinois. A company called Clutch Sports Media. Mm. Uh, you can go and take a watch on their YouTube channel. They've got dozens of uh, for you know live broadcasts from the past year or so. Uh, but they basically cover high school sports in our area for free. So they do live broadcasts. Uh, You know, with the ticker and, you know, the score and time and clock, play by play, color commentary, like the whole nine yards. But you can watch for free Uh, everything from football uh, to basketball, volleyball, baseball, softball, you name it. They've done it. And again, it's all for free. So I joined on with them. Uh, They brought me on to do some things. I initially helped with some behind the scenes stuff. uh, But in the last few months, they've brought me on to even do some color commentary a little bit of play-by-play. I don't have any true experience before that, but I was able to kind of join on. And they've taught me a few things because the guys that I do it with, they've actually been to school and actually have like legitimate experience. So they've kind of, they started it as a side hobby, but it's actually grown into a legitimate business. They make money off sponsorships and things and kind of feed it to the team a little bit. So it's just been a really cool thing to be a part of. And kind of do some live coverage of some local events that, you know, really don't get a lot of coverage.
0: Awesome. That's cool. So they do it on YouTube and it's called clutch, clutch Me- sports.
1: Media. Yes. Clutch sports media. Uh, they have anybody with social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, real active on their posts and highlights and updates and things like that. So uh, you can definitely go give them a follow and uh, they have a website, clutchsportsil.com. Uh, they've got some archived clips and some things like that. Um it's it's just been a lot of fun to be a part of, and we've got some things coming up. It's playoff time here in Illinois for high school basketball. Um, so I'll actually be doing some stuff maybe tonight, maybe on Friday night as well, uh on the radio and doing some other things too. So if you get a chance, look it up, fo- follow along, tune in if you can. Love to have you a part of it.
0: Awesome. I think I'll go follow the YouTube channel for, for right away once I awesome. get off. So awesome. Clutch sports media. Okay, awesome. Well, thanks Gavin for uh, joining me today. We'll have you on again. I'm sure for sure. Yeah. And yeah. It, yeah. Um, one thing I will talk to you about off air is I'm going to do like season reviews for every okay. NFL team. So we'll, we'll do it by definition. I, I would
1: love to be part of that is I have yeah. a lot of deeper thoughts, <laughs> you know, in each position and each little, you know, pocket of the game that we don't have enough time for today, but uh yeah, definitely. I'd love to be part of it and can't wait to get back on.
0: Awesome. And for everybody listening, thanks so much for listening. For me, just uh, follow me on uh, Instagram, nuttybuddy underscore sports. Uh, that's where I show what I po- post podcasts. I started up a YouTube channel. Go follow that, nuttybuddy sports. I just po- post clips on the podcast and then, you know, subscribe, like, rate, review, whatever you have to do. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you again, Gavin. I hope you guys enjoyed and we talk to you guys soon.